we have here in the chamber today Ukrainian Canadians, Ukrainian Canadian world veteran from the Second World War who fought the Ukrainian independence against the Russians and continues to support the troops today, even at his age of 98. Yaroslav Hunka, and uh, I was going to say he's in the gallery, but I think you beat me to that. <laughs> but I'm very proud to say that he is from North Bay and from my riding of Nipissing to Miskaming. <laughs> he's a Ukrainian hero, a Canadian hero, and we thank him for all his service. Thank you. to adopt the following motion that notwithstanding any standing order special order or usual practice of the house the recognition made by the speaker of the house of an individual present in the galleries during the joint joint address to parliament by his excellency Volodymyr Zelensky be struck from the appendix of the house of commons debates of Thursday September 21st 2023 and from any house multimedia recording thank you Mr. Oh, yes, uh, the honor. 
I guess we have to go to the, uh, we'll ask about unanimous consent and go to it. Uh, all those opposed to the Honourable uh, Ministers moving the motion will please say nay. We don't, we don't have unanimous consent. to explain our rationale. It goes without saying that those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. What happened on Friday was shameful and brought embarrassment to this chamber. It was an ugly reminder of what survivors of the Holocaust know too well, that we must never forget.
calls by Benny Breath to reopen a report by the Duchesne Commission so that Canadians can know how many veterans who fought with the Nazis are here in our country. Um, will the government do so? And what is your response to that? I think, you know, let, let me just start uh, by reiterating, and I don't think it can be said too many times, uh, how hurtful for so many people in Canada and around the world, uh, what happened was and has been and continues to be. As uh, MPs, in our capacity as MPs, uh, it's important for appropriate next steps in the House to be taken. And I think that is our immediate focus. And as a government, we're going to be very thoughtful about any further steps that need to be taken.
You know, and uh, one thing you asked earlier about uh, um, Anthony Rota and his resignation, I do want to point out that um, Rota spent about 30 seconds turning Yaroslav Hunka, a uh, criminal, into a hero. Uh, your Deputy Prime Minister, Christia Freeland, has spent years and years and years portraying her grandfather, who was a Nazi collaborator, who spread propaganda in the middle of the Holocaust, who spread anti-Semitism in the middle of the Holocaust. She spent years claiming falsely that he was a hero. And when she was called out for it, she basically blamed the Kremlin and walked away. So my question is not what Prime Minister Trudeau says, not what Anthony Rhodes says, but what does Christian Freeland say? What is the Canadian media going to say about this? This is somebody who portrayed a perpetrator as a hero and as a war victim. I think that's something Canada needs to address.
Obviously, it's extremely upsetting that this happened. Uh, the speaker, speaker has uh, acknowledged his mistake uh, and has apologized. Uh, but this is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and, by extension, to all Canadians. Uh, I think particularly of Jewish MPs and all members of the Jewish community across the country who are uh, celebrating Yom, or commemorating Yom Kippur today. Uh, I think it's going to be really important that all of us push back against Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation, and continue our steadfast and unequivocal support for Ukraine uh, as uh, we did last week with announcing uh, further measures to stand with Ukraine in uh, Russia's illegal war against it. Another victim, kid. Just another victim. 
just another victim, kid. Holy diver, I'm a survivor. Feeling like the Nero in Taxi Driver with Jody Foster and Harvey Cartel. Looks like I'm walking through a living hell. So spark that L and I'll get lifted. Feeling the effects of what my split it. Cause I'm gifted. I read Sun Tzu. I brought a gun too, so you'll never come to. The weight of the world riding on my shoulders. Cause I'm a soldier. I thought I told you. You're just another victim. You're just another victim, kid. You're just another victim. You're just another victim, kid. You're just another victim. You're just another victim, kid. You're just another victim. You're just another victim, kid. Just another victim. All right, everybody, you're tuned into Cheap Tuesdays, 101.5 UMFM. I started off with Canadian Parliament applauding a Nazi uh, again and uh, followed that up with, um, well, they didn't do it again. <laughs> I should say that I played it again. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it again, but uh, I mean that I'm playing it again like I did last week. Uh, the Jesus Lizard Rabid Pigs off of their uh, Pure EP. I think they think they're smart. I think they think they think. Big pig and little pig, they're dumb as fuck. The rotten pigs wallow in the scum. The time has come to shut them down. But they've chewed off more than they could chew. Yes. Clip number two, the Canadian Parliament trying to vote to erase it from history that they applauded a Nazi. And it's the Liberal Party doing it. And it's the Conservative Party saying that we shouldn't do it. (laughs) Topsy-turvy. As I've said before, topsy-turvy. And I'm not trying to say that the conservatives are some kind of honest actors here. Um, They're not. Uh, All of these calls for uh, Justin Trudeau to step down and all of that garbage. Every single person in the parliament should be fired. Every single one of them. What would happen to you, do you think, if a video circulated on the internet of you and your friends applauding a Nazi at like a party or something. Maybe there's 30 or 40 of you there and somebody's 98-year-old Nazi grandfather walked in and you guys were all applauding and that video got circulated on the internet. What do you think would happen to you? You'd be fined probably for platforming hate. You'd be smeared as a racist that'd be spread all over the internet. You'd probably lose your job because that's the way the world works now. You'd be, you'd be like excommunicated from your neighborhood. You might be disowned by your family. And what's going to happen to the Canadian Parliament? What's going to happen to every one of those people in there that stood up and applauded a Nazi? Nothing. Nothing's going to happen to them. They're all going to get away with it. And they're going to use it as a political football to score points against the other team. It's disgusting. Soundgarden hands all over, hands all over the eastern border. You know what? I think we're falling from composure. Yeah. Hands all over Western culture, ruffling feathers, turning eagles into vultures. Yeah, into vultures. Yeah, you nailed it. Christy Freeland, Deputy Prime Minister of Canada. (laughs) Have you ever heard a more awkward, drawn-out, uncomfortable response to a question? non-response to a question because she didn't even respond to the question. 
Like, what's going to happen to her? How is she still allowed to have a post? When she, when she's doing something like that. Can't even answer that question about whether we should be investigating more Nazis. Whether there are any more of these people in our country. You can't even answer that question. I wonder why she couldn't answer that question. I wonder why she tried to make an excuse. Faith no more. The gentle art of making enemies. All you need is just one more excuse. You put up one hell of a fight. I want to hear your very best excuse. I never felt this much alive. Your day has finally come, so wear the hat and do the dance and let the suit keep wearing you. This year you'll sit and take it, and you will like it. It's the gentle art of making enemies. Uh, journalist Lev Golinkin pointing stump stuff out about Christia Freeland's grandfather. Um, nobody should have to pay for the sins of their grandparents, but she's gone around over the last decade, two decades, spreading lies about her grandfather and how he was a victim of war and all of this nonsense. And uh, he was a Nazi propagandist. He uh, confiscated a Jewish-owned um, printing press and used that to print Nazi propaganda during World War II. So do you wonder why she doesn't want to maybe investigate whether there are any Nazis left in Canada? I wonder if it's connected to that. Gee, you think? Melvin's Sacrifice. Uh, the lyrics on that one are pretty clear, so I'm not going to repeat them. But, uh, man, just uh, desperate to let us ignore all of the facts about what's happening and don't think about anything too carefully. Just war, war, war. And that leads us into the disgusting apology from Justin Trudeau. They're all disgusting. Okay, I'm not singling out Trudeau. They're all disgusting. But Trudeau's apology was especially disgusting. Like, you didn't have a stroke. You didn't lose time. You didn't accidentally fall asleep. He just made a transition from apologizing, supposedly, for, for applauding a Nazi, to blaming it on Russian disinformation. Was it Russian disinformation? Like, what does that even mean? We all saw it. He was in there in the parliament. It's not disinformation. You all stood up and applauded for a Nazi. Like, <laughs> these people. Helmet and House of Pain, just another victim. You played yourself, now you point the finger. Introspection and afterthought, swimming in guilt is your favorite sport. And then he also says, uh, feeling like De Niro in Taxi Driver. Yeah, man, I get that. So... Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to start, like, taking a hiatus. I don't know if I can take this crap anymore. We're going to get to a score here. After witnessing all that garbage, nonsense, insulting, disgusting, pathetic behavior, I decided that I wanted to uh, watch 1984, uh, a book that I've read many times and that I've taught uh, in high schools, um, different high schools that I've worked at. Uh, one of the most important books of our time, and, and not because of Donald goddamn Trump. Trump's got nothing to do with it almost. Like, it's the world that we're living in right now is 1984. Uh, and you owe it to yourself to, to read the book. If you haven't read it since high school, give it another read. It's really fantastic. There was a movie version of it made in 1984 in England, and uh, John Hurt is in it. Uh, Richard Branson in his final role. He died shortly afterwards. Got an excellent voice, that guy. 
And uh, it's a pretty good version of the, of the book, I got to say. It's it's a very difficult book to adapt into a movie, so they, they did strip down quite a few elements of it uh, and kind of went for its like emotional core. But, uh, you know, overall, not bad at all. Really not a bad movie to watch. Check it out. Um, the scores... I don't know what to say. So Virgin hired the Eurythmics to do the score against the wishes of the writer-director of the movie, a guy by the name of uh, Michael Radford. Uh, And I have to say he was right. Um, So I I listened to the actual musical release, uh, which granted is it's altered versions of what was in the movie made for public consumption. So it's not exactly the score, but still. It's like they were watching a completely different movie. When you see the movie and you see like the washed out colors, the depressing, destroyed sets, the lifeless characters almost um, with like a seething anger in them. This release just doesn't match that mood at all. Like I'm I'm rereading uh, Brave New World right now, another classic dystopian uh, novel. And and I could see this score fitting in with that, the sort of fake, happy, Soma-induced, false, plastic life that everybody lives in that novel. But in the movie in particular, 1984, it's clear how unhappy everyone is. Everyone's barely keeping in this seething anger at what's happening all around them. They're trying to keep it contained and their depression is just leaking out and their the, the forced atmosphere uh, that the government imposes on the populace, it's not one of happiness at all. It's anger and hatred and patriotism. Um, so what the hell movie were they watching? So, so there was an orchestral score actually written already and even produced. And, and this is the one that Michael Radford wanted to include in his movie. And it was made by a guy named uh, Dominic Maldoni. And uh, again, I'm scanning his list of things and, and nothing else is really jumping out at me. So because he had this orchestral score, I decided I should check this one out as well. And one thing that it does well is the patriotic songs in the movie. Uh, which are suitably cheesy and nationalistic and horrible, just like you imagine they would be when you're reading the book. Um, but that doesn't actually make for great listening on a score. Uh, they get kind of trying. Uh, and then some of the rest of it is just, well, frankly, kind of dull. Um, so since the writer-director made such a big stink about Virgin going against his wishes, uh, there's all co- sorts of complications, and they basically ended up mixing the two scores in the movie, sometimes using the Eurythmic song, sometimes the orchestral, sc- the orchestral score. Uh, it just makes it an odd experience. Uh, neither of the versions by themselves are that great. Um, mixing them together <laughs> during the movie creates a weirdness that shouldn't be there. Like a, like, a, like a bad weirdness, not a good weirdness. This is a prime candidate, this movie, for some musician out there to re-score. Uh, people do that, right? I don't know if you've heard that, but people do their version of scores of classic movies. This is a prime candidate. It's a really decent version of the book, even if it has its faults. And it has tons of atmosphere. The one thing that it's missing is a quality score. So I've put in some of the songs from both scores that I thought were good enough to feature and then mixed in some healthy doses of samples from the movie itself. Um, Hopefully this will spur you to uh, go and reread the book. If not, just enjoy some of the quality uh, writing. Most of it that I've picked is is pretty close, if not lifted exactly from George Orwell's novel. And uh, just one final note on the novel. There's a perception among people that haven't 
maybe read it recently or read it and didn't quite understand it that you know especially with with this one and with animal farm that it was all against communism and all against russia i mean you just you have to read some of his other work you know read the introduction to animal farm where he talks about how these exact same things happen in the uk read his essay called uh, politics in the english language where he talks about how politicians talk and how they lie and how they manipulate people uh it's it's clear that both of these books even though he may have at the time been aiming them towards that he was a lot deeper of a person than to just attack one country and one system uh so read them with the critical eye of trying to apply them to your own country and your own system of government and i think you'll get a lot out of it so this is cheap tuesdays signing off for one more week i don't know if i'll be back next week i think i need to take a week off at least so uh maybe the week after that 10 to 11 p.m i'm dan take care of yourselves
Oceania is at war with East Asia. Oceania has always been at war with East Asia. Eurasia is our ally. Eurasia has always been our ally. Everything fades into mist. The past is erased. The Eurasia forgotten. The lie becomes truth and then becomes a lie again.
have attacked an unarmed village with rocket bombs and murdered 4,000 defenseless, innocent, and peaceful citizens of Oceania. This is no longer war. This is cold-blooded murder. Until now, the war has been conducted with honor and bravery, with the ideals of truth and justice in the best traditions of mankind until this moment. Brothers and sisters, the endless catalogue of bestial atrocities which will inevitably ensue from this appalling act must, can and will be terminated. The forces of darkness and the treasonable maggots who collaborate with them must, can and will be wiped from the face of the earth. We must crush them. We must smash them. We must stamp them out. traditional allies, the people of Eurasia, will not rest until the final victory has been achieved. Death to the eternal enemy of Oceania. Death! Death! Please. Mm-hmm. 
question. How does one man assert power over another? By making him suffer. Exactly. Obedience is not enough. Power is inflicting pain and humiliation, otherwise you cannot be sure. Power is tearing human minds apart and putting them together again in new shapes of your own choosing. Power is not a means, it is an end. In our world, there will only be triumph and self-abasement. Everything else we shall destroy. The past is forbidden. Why? Because when we can cut man from his own past, then we can cut him from his family, his children, other men. There is no loyalty except loyalty to the party. There is no love except love of Big Brother. All competing pleasures we will destroy. If you want a vision of the future, Winston, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. Shall I tell you why we brought you here? To cure you. To make you sane. conversation I have it in my power to inflict pain on you at any time and in whatever degree I choose you know perfectly well what is the matter with you Winston you've known it for years though you've fought against the knowledge you are mentally deranged you suffer from a defective memory you never tried to cure yourself of it because you did not choose to. It was a small effort of will which you were not ready to make. For example, which power is Oceania at war with? East Asia. Oceania is at war with East Asia. East Asia. Good. And Oceania has always been at war with East Asia, has it not? Tell me what you think you remember. I remember that until only a week before I was arrested, we weren't at war with East Asia at all. It was your Asia. You're lying. 
How many fingers, please? I don't know. 